Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Rakuten is proud to present Elizabeth I, the new podcast about Elizabeth Taylor as the original influencer. She was famous for her impeccable style, and Rakuten wants to help you save on the styles you love. Shopping for the perfect holiday party outfit? Rakuten makes it possible with cash back, deals, and coupons. Save money at stores you love. Get started at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N, Rakuten.com. Well, I have to say, I've heard of you, but I'm not too familiar with your show. The Bob and Sherry Show with Bob. My wife comes to the door, and she just wants to jerk me around just to see what happens. And Sherry. I can't believe a woman would do that to you. And now, from the palatial Bob and Sherry Studios, it's Bob and Sherry. So I haven't uh, talked much about my daughter who's experiencing her first semester of college. She's doing well, you know. Um, some days are better than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night she FaceTimed me and she was sitting under, you know how dorm rooms have like it's a bunk bed and then there's space underneath? Yes. So um, You mean for like a desk or something yeah, like, like that? Like she yeah, like they have uh, in her, she and her roommate under one of the beds, they have like a mini fridge and a little coffee oh, maker yeah. and all. Right. So um, I see that I've got a FaceTime call coming in and I tap it and my daughter is FaceTiming me from underneath the bed. So I'm looking up at her face and bed springs, the <laughs> underside of the bunk bed. Right. And she's like, hello, mother. Um, I'm wearing the same pajamas for the third day in a row. And the only thing I'm eating is cereal. And my head is going to explode because I'm so stressed out. And I was like, oh, honey, you know what? That's just college and you're doing great. And, you know, I give her a little pep talk. So I get off the phone with her and she texts me. That she's, you know, telling me when she's coming home for Thanksgiving break. And then there's a list of things that she would like to do when she gets home. She wants to get Mm -hmm. her hair cut. Right. And she wants to go to the dentist and all this other stuff. And is that possible to do? So I replied back, absolutely. But you're an adult now and you need to schedule all that stuff and I'll help you get to it. But I, I do not have room in my brain to take on one more person's Good for you. Needs. Yeah. You you can schedule your own haircut. Right. And also, you know, um, you know, because you have to go through this too. When your kid or your spouse or whoever, your partner asks you to schedule something for them, mm-hmm. it's not as simple as you calling up and saying, hey, can we get her in for a haircut on such and such date? No, because it has to be in a very specific window of time. Well, they may only have so many openings. And you, right. well, no, she she can't come at two o'clock. Right. Do you have anything at four? Yeah. All right, what about five? No. How about noon? Like, what am I, Miss Jane Hathaway? Right. No. So I said, you need to schedule all of that stuff for yourself. I love you. I know you can do it. So then I get uh, a text this morning, today, telling me that she has succeeded in scheduling all of these things. And so I replied back, very adulty. I'm very pleased. Doesn't that feel good? And she said, yes, it does. And let me read her. I'm going to read her exact words. Yes, it does. And I think this is a good time in my life to start listening to Hootie and the Blowfish now that I'm an adult. (laughs) 
and I thought about it. And I was like, you know, yeah. That, <laughs> that, is, that is so snarky. It is so snarky, but that is when you develop a real appreciation for Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Prove me wrong. No, but you, that, that's an insult to Hootie and the Blowfish and to and you. And to me, yeah. And to all <laughs> and adults. And to anybody who liked Darius, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. It's funny, though. It's funny in its own way. Because, like, a teenage girl does not listen. For the most part, I know there are exceptions. Uh, my, Especially mine. My daughter uh, was only interested in finding bands that only three people had heard of. Right. Who had indie deals and you could only download their music from YouTube. That right. was what she was interested in listening Landon to. Landon was like that, too. Landon was, oh my God, Landon was right. exactly like that. Yeah. The idea of listening to something that's really awesome yet mainstream, Dad, that's have, a no. Have you heard of Pond Sludge? They're fantastic. You would love them. Knowing that I would hate them. But she just wanted me to know. She was dating a boy back then who was like in a band. Oh, I remember him. And and so yeah. he was he was feeding her, you know, Pond Sludge is just fantastic. It's, you know, and I could tell when he would come over to the house, he'd see like my uh, my music collection. I still had CDs. And I know he, he wouldn't say anything, but I know that he's saying to himself, oh, he's still listening to that stuff. You know, he doesn't know Ponsledge. <laughs> See, you missed. I, I caught something. You're involved in this, Todd. You don't even know. I caught something early because the reason that your kids will come to you and say, Mother, are you listening to Allspice? No, honey, I, I don't know. Allspice goes in pie. And I'm like, I can't believe you don't know Allspice. It's a band. There are these three guys. They're from Reykjavik. <laughs> yeah, right. And they don't play instruments. They play empty Quaker Oats boxes. <laughs> yeah. And they write all of their lyrics backward. It's so good. <laughs> right? So your kid is coming to you with this to make you feel ancient and out right. of touch. And with an attitude. And with an attitude, yeah. right? So anytime that the girls would do this to me, including up to the present moment... Mother, are you aware of squirrel's pancreas? <laughs> Here's what I say. I'm like, oh my God, Todd knows those guys. Yeah, he hangs with them. And they can't Mine's argue blown. it. Mine's Because they know that Todd is heavily involved on the music side of our right. industry. Right, right. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, oh my God. Todd's been hanging with squirrel's pancreas since they were in, like, in high school. You know what the irony is? The irony is someday she will get married and she will have children and they will discover Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, kind of like how my girls starting in fourth grade played Toto Africa on repeat. Exactly. Exactly. The same same thing will happen. The same thing will happen. So, yeah. Well, guess what? Olivia, we've all heard of Hootie and the Blowfish. Welcome to the adult and, world. And by the way, they're together again and they're touring. Yeah, what do you think about that? And they're probably going to come to your college. Yeah, but Todd's not going to get you tickets because he's tired right. of the way y'all make fun of us. <laughs> it's Bob and Sherry. Now available on the Bob and Sherry website, it's the Book of Bob. Sherry has collected Bob's insights, witticisms, and proclamations. And now they're available in a single volume. With pictures. What do you know what you will and won't do? What do I know what I would do? Because I am I. For an incredibly affordable price. You don't know. Just hit shop at the Bob and Sherry website. (laughs) I would not have lunch with a stuffed animal and there stare into a stranger's eyes. B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I dot com. Hit the shop tab at bobandsherry.com.
Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to BobandSherry.com. Max did some research for us, and he was on Rotten Tomatoes, and he came up with the worst Christmas movies of all time based on their Rotten Tomatoes score. Oh, good. And I think some of these are actually worth watching because they're so bad. Okay. I'm going to work from the least awful to the very worst Christmas movie. Okay. And to give you an idea of what's to come, the worst Christmas movie of all time has a zero score on Rotten Tomatoes. So this is a compilation, of course, of bad reviews. Yeah. this right. the, the worst one doesn't have a single good review. Okay. Okay. So at the top of the bad list is the movie Unaccompanied Minors, and it came out in 2006. And here's the plot. The airport is snowed in. And it's filled with unattended children desperately trying to fly home for the holidays. And the movie shows the kids getting into all kinds of shenanigans. Well, I think it's actually kind of sad. These are the unaccompanied small children of divorced parents stranded in an airport over Christmas with nowhere to sleep and, you know, and no if, one to love were, them. If there were just two, I, you know, you could kind of see it. But there are a lot of them, evidently. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, one of the critics who reviewed it said, quote, the low standard of filmmaking here really defies belief. Wow, that is almost worth seeing. Four Christmases, starring Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, is up next. Um, I remember that. 25% Rotten Tomatoes score, and yeah. they play a couple whose plan to avoid the holidays with their family is ruined when their flight gets canceled. I saw that movie. Critics called it charmless and cheerless. There was nothing. I didn't laugh once. Yep, that you're in, you're in good yep. company. 1998's Jonathan Taylor Thomas masterpiece, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Um, Washington Post said, too sophisticated for thumb suckers, too stupid for anyone else. <laughs> that's, I'll be home for Christmas, this song. Didn't we, didn't we agree that that's the saddest that's Christmas awful. song? Vince yeah. Vaughn makes the list a second time here with yeah. Fred Claus, 2007, 21%. Is that, who is that? That's uh, Santa's brother? Yeah, the underachieving brother of Santa Claus, played <laughs> right. by Paul Giamatti. Right. The New York Post said, you will find more plot in your average Geico commercial <laughs> than you will Fred Claus. Um, G- Giamatti played uh, Santa? Giamatti plays Santa. That's terrible casting. That's a bit of a stretch, too. He's not tall enough. Have you seen Fred Claus? 1998's Jack Frost starring Michael Keaton. Oh, this is awful. I saw this. this. I saw this. Michael Keaton plays an absent father who gets turned into a snowman. And because he's a snowman, he's finally able to bond with his son. But Roger Ebert said... Michael Keaton's snowman is, quote, the most repulsive creature in the history of special effects. <laughs> he was so great, wasn't he? That's one of the saddest whole concepts, too. The snowman that melts, and all you see left are his pipe and his coal eyes. And this is, um, this is, like, think about it. You're, you're already absent from your kid's life, and then you become a snowman... And, and you're, you're going, going away. Melt. You're going to melt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 2013, Tyler Perry's A Medea Christmas um, with an 18% score. Um, Variety, Variety said, this is an exceptionally poor piece of holiday cash-in product. Yeah. Just awful. Yeah. There's an awful lot of that, isn't there? 
where they just throw up a holiday theme. The name of the movie is holiday based because they know they know people you got to get go. out of the house. Yeah. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger makes the list for 1997's Jingle All the Way. So let me remind you of this um, classic, 1997. Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a forgetful father, and his co-star is Sinbad. And they dash around on Christmas Eve trying to buy a sold-out toy for their sons. Um, Critics said this movie is relentlessly materialistic and awful. What's next? Um, The Perfect Holiday, which came out in 2007. Um, Gabrielle Union and Morris Chestnut meet as a single mom and a mall Santa love interest. And Richard Roper said this, quote, I'd rather watch 90 minutes of a flickering Yule Log video (laughs) than sit through this ever again. By the way, the Yule Logs are on my TV. They're on on my uh, system. There are two of them you can choose from this year. The traditional and the modern. We're going to pause here and come back with the top six worst Christmas movies of all time. And I have to tell you, a lot of these are already running on like ABC Family. Is that right? They're already playing. All right, straight ahead. It's Bob and Sherry. It's the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast. Oddcast on the free Bob and Sherry app. All right, so we're back with the worst Christmas movies of all time, according to their Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, We have the top six here. And this next one I've seen, The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, 2006. Oh, yeah. This is the one where Tim Allen played Santa. Yes. Martin Short played Jack Frost. Have you noticed that almost all of these movies have been recently made? Yeah. There's nothing that's like out of the 1950s or 60s or 70s. They're all recent. I will tell you that the oldest movie on this list was like 1996. Isn't that something? Yeah. Um, Here's what Roger Moore said of the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. The movie is as icy as Jack's hair and as lifeless as its animatronic flatulent reindeer. (laughs) Keep me out of the theater. Now we reach the top five worst Christmas movies ever from 1994, Trapped in Paradise with a 10% score. It features Dana Carvey, Nicolas Cage, and John Lovitz. And I bet you don't remember this movie. I do. No, no. They play brothers so desperate for money that they rob a bank. And the New York Times critic said, this comedy barely elicits a chuckle. It's so unfunny. What's the name of it again? Trapped in Paradise. And it's, a, and it's this? a Christmas movie? I don't remember And at this. the time, they were all still pretty big stars. Really? Yep. I guess it's a Christmas movie because they need money to buy gifts, so they have to rob a bank. That's and probably And what does that it, tell yeah. you about how we've commercialized Christmas that now people commit felonies? I know it. Um, Surviving Christmas 2004 is in the fourth is position. Ben Affleck movie? Ben Affleck, James Gandolfini, Christina Applegate, those are the people. O'Hara. Those are the people who are giving uh, cars. They've, yep. ju- they've just robbed a bank. This one had a 7% score. In it, Ben Affleck plays a, a wealthy loner who pays the... I remember this movie. Who pays the family living in his childhood home to pretend that they're his relatives for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? I was so surprised that he took that role. He was going through some stuff. Was that that period? Yeah. yeah. He was going through stuff. Um, hey, thank God, he, thank God he's not now. He's leveled right Right. Up. 2006 with a 6% score. Danny DeVito and Matthew Broderick starring in Deck the Halls. I remember that. Who can be the most Christmas-obsessed man on the block? Right. They compete, right? Yeah, they compete. With with lights on their houses? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Real Real Views said this, quote, I love the Christmas season, but there are times when I wish it would go away, if only to save audiences from horrific experiences like this. <laughs> it was an awful movie. I think I saw part of it on TV once. All right, here we are at the top two from 2004 with a 5% score. Mm-hmm. It is Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and Tim Allen. Tim Allen, that's right. They decide to skip Christmas. And Washington Post critic Michael O'Sullivan said, This movie stinks like the unrefrigerated ham its studio sent me as a promotion months ago. (laughs) And finally, the worst Christmas movie of all time from 2014 with a 0% score is Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. And the movie follows Kirk as he helps his brother-in-law Christian take back Christmas as a religious tradition. The Chicago Sun-Times said, This is one of the least artful holiday films even made. Even the most devout born-again Christians will find this too hard to stomach. Was that a theatrical release? Yeah. It was? It wasn't a made-for-TV? I haven't seen it, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But a 0% score. I remember score. it. I remember th- there was some controversy about the film. I think that because it that was so awful. Because it was awful, yeah. So there they are. Well... You know, I have to. Let me say, give you the jingle stick there. Good I job. know that the Santa Claus Three made that list. Yeah. I don't like that one, mm-hmm. but the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, mm-hmm. I love that movie. Was that on there? Was no, that one of them? Santa Claus Three. Just Three was. was yeah. yeah. Well, although, you know, they went to the well a couple of times. Though for too many. me, until we watched Elf with um, Will Ferrell, it's just not. Right. right. It's just not Christmas. Yeah. And I know you, you've never even seen it. You don't like it and you've never seen it. I'm not wild about Christmas movies as a genre. And they're maudlin for you. They're a little maudlin. And they're melancholy. Yeah. But, which is why you should watch some of those, because apparently they're just so <laughs> awful. But Love Actually is a great Christmas movie. It is. It's not, I, I put it's it in a different maudlin. category, though. I, I agree. Love Actually, I will watch. I mean, it has so many levels and layers of, of story. And it doesn't beat the sentimentality to death. No, it doesn't. It's not going no, for it's, tears. It's, if anything, it's a little too realistic in certain parts. Oh, well, the, yeah. the marriage if with... If you haven't seen it, Love Actually. Yeah, Alan Rickman, yeah. Veterans, there's no real way to say thank you for everything you've done for us. But the Bob and Cherry Show is sure going to try. We want to send veterans on vacation. Thanks to our friends at Visit Florida. Just nominate your favorite veteran by going to BobandCherry.com and hitting the contest tab and sharing their story. We could send that veteran and their family to Amelia Island, Florida to stay five nights at Residence Inn by Marriott Amelia Island. Located near the beach, this hotel has spacious suites complete with full kitchens, which are perfect. Perfect for families. This also includes an eight-hour fishing charter with Pipe Dream Charters, a round of golf at Amelia Island River Club, and a Lux Boho Picnic courtesy of Lux Picnics by Les, plus round-trip flights and a rental car. If you're an active military or a veteran, Florida salutes you. Bob and Sherry are sending veterans on vacation. Nominate a veteran or yourself today at BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. Bob and Sherry contest rules apply. The new and improved Bob and Sherry website. Just go to BobandSherry.com. Oh, it's so easy to get holiday burnout. I think it's possibly a bit early to experience that right now, but it's coming down the pike for a lot of us, so we have to watch out. And here are the holiday burnout things that you have to be aware of. This is from Yahoo News. These Rapping. signs that you have holiday no, burnout? No, this is what causes what it. What causes So, it? I mean, okay. if, if you can identify it, Perhaps you can find some way around it. Right? Okay, gotcha. Uh, wrapping presents. I hate it. And I wait to the last minute. It's probably the last thing that I do. 
I'm such a, I'm the worst rapper. My kids sometimes take pictures of of the packages that I wrap and send it to one another. They're horrible. That my spelling, my handwriting, and my rapping. <laughs> I'm 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 known for, but not in a good way. Nonstop holiday commercials on TV. I admit they do get old because they play the same ones over and over again. Over and over. Have you noticed also on TV, not necessarily a holiday commercials, but um, sometimes promos for TV shows that are coming up or movies, they'll play a 30-second commercial, and then right after that, they play the exact same commercial again. Yeah. I've seen it. It, it wasn't, it's not just a and mistake. I've seen it. There's a reason for it. If it's on purpose, they must. there must be something they know. Do they get a cheaper rate for a 60-second and so... They split it so up. So they, they, they say, I'm going to you know, jam it there Put it twice. Put 230s. Yeah. Here's something that drives me crazy. Um, my inbox is choked with holiday offers. So back when we were um, doing our house, I found all these websites to buy like plumbing things on, right? Uh-huh. So I got an email the other day from a company that's basically a warehouse supply, wholesale plumbing parts warehouse supply. Mm-hmm. And the email actually said, why not do all of your Christmas shopping at Plumber <laughs> Supply? Here's a code for 15% off. I I think it's not even possible to do all of your Christmas shopping at the Plumbing Supply well, Warehouse they, Online. They got a new advertising agency. <laughs> they did. And they came up with some new big ideas. I, I have to say, it That's got so me funny. to click on it. That's all right, so, so go on. More holiday burnout. Okay, uh, the pressure of making Christmas special. Making sure the house is decorated, that you've got, you know, the right drinks, the right snacks, all of that stuff. Constantly hearing holiday music. I will tell you that toward the end, I can be on the edge a little bit. Right now, I'm really enjoying it very, very much. You're not able to tune it out? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're walking through a store or whatever, you can't. Yeah. But, I mean, you know me. kind of want it my way. I know you. Yeah. Uh, figuring out what to buy for people. That is annoying. And it is it's stressful. It's, it's very stressful. It's stressful because you want them to love what you find. Yeah. It's easier now. When kids are older, I can get, you know, just a card money in it. Do you know what oddball thing I found on YouTube? No. Christmas music they ran inside Kmart stores from the 1970s. Whoa. Does it sound dramatically different than. Here, I'll play a little. All right, let's listen. Oh, it's not hit songs. It's like Muzak. And very lush and orchestrated, yes. too. It, you know what? It makes you feel kind of good, though, doesn't it? Listen to this. It does not sound like Kmart. Wow, that is like out of <laughs> Is this not ass. trippy? It is. But uh, you know what? It, it feels... There's a quality to it, like this is part of an American horror story season, and someone's been drugged with spiked eggnog. That's right. And now the lights are starting to blur. Like, this has a little bit of a spooky feeling now. Wow, that was something. And 
was in Kmart. I was in Kmart. I don't picture Kmart playing lush music like that. Wow, Max, that was bizarre. But they that sort of thing played everywhere at one yeah, time. It did. I mean, doctors' offices. I mean, rest of the holiday burnout is cooking, buying presents, long lines, crowds. Number one, and there's nothing near it. Shopping. So, yeah, the shopping. Every almost done with shopping. Good for you. The shopping is so stressful. It is stressful. But if I had to shop while listening to that Kmart music from the '70s, I know. Whoa. Spooky. It's the best <laughs> Bob and Sherry. Best, best. You guys kill me. I love you, Bob and. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Hey, it's Sherry here. Just saying a giant thank you to everyone who reaches out and contacts the show. We try to read every email, every DM, every text. We do miss some. um, And I apologize for that. If you would like to be on the show or if something really wild has happened in your life and you'd like to be on the podcast, you can reach us at hello at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I. Hello at BobandSherry.com. That's usually the most direct way, but however you reach out, thank you and thank you for listening. From sleep training to sex tips, if you have questions, I have answers. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Kim, your confidant and host of the Parentologist Podcast. Each week on the show, we dig into relevant topics related to everything parenting, marriage, current events, and mental health. You'll feel like you're in the room and part of the conversation. So please join me and get your weekly dose of expert-level advice and resources from me and my guests in a relatable, easy-to-digest way. Listen to the Parentologist Podcast now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the Parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all-around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life, and sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. It's the Bob and Sherry Store Sizzle and Summer Sidewalk Sale. Everything in stock is on sale, 10% off. 10% off! Including Sherry Lynch's cookbook, Cooking with Cats. And swag you can use, like Bob and Sherry 24-ounce latte mugs, travel mugs, H2Go water bottles, and our very hot line of Mother of All Mothers merch, including tote bags, candles, wear-around tea and sleep shirts. 10% off! It's the Sizzle and Summer Sidewalk Sale. Everything is 10% off. Just hit Shop at BobandSherry.com and use the discount code PODCAST at checkout. The Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Sherry app. Joining us right now is Ken Davis. He's the author of Don't Know Much About History and the new book, which is called Don't Know Much About Anything Else, including Thanksgiving. And Ken, I have to say, I was crushed to learn that the pilgrims did not wear big silver buckles on their clothes and shoes. It's just one more of those many things they told us back there in elementary school that weren't exactly right. Now, good morning. Good morning. Good good morning. Thank you. Always a pleasure. The first pilgrims who came over in 1620 were essentially farming people, and they wore farmer's clothes, which were basically, you know, browns and purples and uh, uh, linen and white shirts. And um, first of all, they were on the Mayflower for three months without any hot and cold running water, so... um, 
all hundred of them on one deck with the dogs and the chickens and the pigs. So um, I'm sure that their clothes were pretty ripe by the time they got to uh, Massachusetts. Boy, I bet they were. So so the Puritans were after the Pilgrims. That, that's right. The Pilgrims were truly uh, a group that uh, were, were wanted to separate from the Church of England. And we'll, I won't go into too much of the history of the Church mm-hmm. of England. But this is, of course, the breakup between Catholicism and, and Protestantism in, in Europe at this time. And and uh, the Pilgrims actually had left England, uh, kind of under duress, went to Holland for a while, were unhappy there, and then had the opportunity to come to America to start over. Uh, and they thought, well, this was better because at least there would be an English-speaking area. Their, their children were all growing up learning Dutch, and they weren't happy about that. Mm-hmm. And we forget that this was really um, venture capitalism. There were stockholders in, in the Mayflower and investors, and uh, th- this was uh, a, a capitalist venture. And and only half, so only half of the people on the Mayflower as passengers, there were 102 of them, were actually what we think of as pilgrims coming for their their religious freedom, not necessarily anybody else's. And um, the others were people who had been recruited by the stock company to uh, to come over and, and start the colony. Um, poor choice, Massachusetts in December, but um, that's another story, too. Wow, how about that? And was, was there anything to the story that we're always told where the... Uh I'll still call them pilgrims. The pilgrims got together with uh, Native Americans and had the feast? That part is true, actually, but it happened ah. in October and, and not, uh, not November. Mm-hmm. Um, this was uh, you know, a, a very, very grim, bleak first winter. Half of the 102 passengers on the Mayflower did not make it through the first year. Wow. 18 adult women, only four of them were alive on uh, on that first Thanksgiving day. Wow. And first no. of all, they wouldn't have called it Thanksgiving. Uh, they would have, uh, to them, uh, uh, to a Puritan, and for most of uh, early American history, a day of Thanksgiving meant a day of prayer and fasting. Not exactly what we have in mind for, for Thursday, I'm sure. Uh, although there might be some prayer, there won't be much much fasting going on. For them, it was a harvest festival, very, mm-hmm. very typical throughout uh, Europe and, and most of the rest of the, uh, the agricultural world. You celebrate bringing in the crops at the end of the year, and you're grateful that you, that you have enough to eat. And certainly, in their case, it was true. So that first Thanksgiving meal in October was probably a colonial era surf and turf, a lot of eels, mussels, cod, salmon. Uh, these people were camped out on the shores of the Atlantic, and it was teeming with, with uh, seafood, sea life, of course. Uh, they would have had some wild turkey, not, not the uh, turkey we know and love, and, and duck and goose. And the um, 90 or so Wampanoag Indians who showed up uh, unexpectedly were very good guests, and they brought some fresh venison. How did the whole turkey, having turkey for Thanksgiving... It really has to do with more with Victorian-era customs, and, mm-hmm. and that's when, uh, really when the, uh, uh, the Thanksgiving holiday came into existence. You know, it, uh, there was no Thanksgiving commemorating these pilgrims for a long time in our history. Uh, and a woman named uh, Sarah Josepha Hale, who was an editor of a women's magazine in the 19th century called Lady Godey's Book, it was kind of a good housekeeping of its day, I guess you could say she was the 19th century Martha Stewart. She had a 30-year-long 
campaign to make this holiday uh, come and uh, uh, be celebrated in America as a national holiday to celebrate the pilgrim traditions. And uh, it was really at her insistence and persistence that Abraham Lincoln finally creates the holiday in 1863 um, to make it the first uh, official national holiday of Thanksgiving. And um, he made it the last Thursday in November. And... um, it, it moved around a bit, but it was in that period again, that Victorian era America. Um, the the tr- the English traditions of of a holiday meal had already been established. That a turkey or a, you know a goose, a big bird like that, was, mm-hmm. and and that's what really became firmly established uh, with the people. So it had a lot to, uh, more to do with with traditions and that picture of the people in all in black that really came around around that same time too that's the uh the the time at which artists started to you know idealize what what the pilgrims and the later puritans uh looked like i i, I don't think i finished that thought out before the pilgrims as i said came in 1620 uh they were really truly separatists uh, we would think of them today in in the way of a cult uh, and that's how they were seen in 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 england they don't um, they don't sound like a lot of a lot fun. of fun, yeah, you know, they, the, the Puritans, uh, not their, not party people. Their idea of fun was, you know, three hours in church, which, which was, you know, basically maybe singing hymns and hearing the Bible and then hearing a long sermon telling you exactly how bad a sinner you were. And You're kind you were, of people, Bob. Yeah, yeah. And you were going yeah. to die, and, uh, and that was some, it, and yeah. you weren't going to be saved. So, you know, it was... <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you were told for three hours what a terrible sinner you were, and that you would not be saved. And you would not be saved. It's a lot like marriage for some of us. <laughs> what was the point then? Where was the hope of salvation? Well, the hope of salvation was that uh, that you uh, you still should lead a good life. Mm-hmm. That there were some of you who were the so-called elect who were going to be saved. This was all pre, essentially predestined, and that you still had to uh, lead a godly life if you were one of the elect. You only got to be saved if you behaved well. So um, it was it was a very very strict stern. And and you didn't know if you were one of the elect or not. You did not know. You no no one would know who was in the elect. Oh so, yeah. yeah. I guess so, that'd be the only way to keep everyone behaving. Yeah. And, and this was you know this was the same ethic that was brought over a little bit later by by the Puritans who mm-hmm. were uh, uh, like the Pilgrims, uh, a dissident group, but not quite as as. Uh, 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 radical in a sense. They didn't want to separate from the Church of England. They wanted to purify it. Hence, that's the, that's the word. Yeah. Puritans. We're talking with historian Ken Davis. He's the author of Don't Know Much About History. His new book is called Don't Know Much About Anything Else, including Thanksgiving. We'll be right back. It's Bob and Sherry. At the Bob and Sherry Show, we love a good Catterday photo. And we want to post your kitty best friend on our Instagram. Just send us a photo of your furry friend or you and your furry friend, and you could see them on our socials. Plus, you could pick up some great swag, including a surprise catnip toy from Dr. Pussums and your very own Bob and Sherry photo frame. Just submit your pics to bobandsherry.com on the contest tab. Every day is Catterday from Dr. Pussums and Bob and Sherry. Leave us a talk back. talk back with the free Bob and Sherry app. And we're talking with historian Ken Davis, who is the author of Don't Know Much About History and Don't Know Much About Anything Else. And Ken, let's get back to uh, looking at, at Thanksgiving here. Did the uh, Native Americans and the uh, Pilgrims actually get along? 
uh, you know, initially they did very well. And the, the most extraordinary thing, of course, is that uh, you know the pilgrims had been in. Uh, they arrived in de- December. Uh, the women stayed on the Mayflower while the men started to build uh, one communal house that they they would live in. And one day in March, uh, a rather scrawny fellow walks into their camp uh, and speaks to them in English. It must have been a rather remarkable idea. Uh, his name is Samoset. Uh, that's how he's come down in history, at least. And he had learned a little bit of rudimentary English from the fishermen who were up and down the New England coast. And this is one of our other kind of misconceptions. The pilgrims weren't coming to a place that no Englishman had ever been before. There had been quite a bit of contact between the uh, Native Americans in northern New England, coastal New England, and European fishermen who had been up and down the uh, the Atlantic coast for quite a while fishing. They had just never settled. Um, A few days later, another man, comes, another Native American comes into camp, and he speaks even better English. He is, of course, Squanto is how he's come down in history. His name was more likely something like Tisquantum. Mm-hmm. And um, he had actually been taken captive slave, as a slave on an English ship, made his way to England, was learned English, eventually made his way back to North America. And it's an extraordinary story. What a remarkable it, man. It remarkable. My God, why doesn't somebody do a movie on him? Uh, you know, it would be uh, it would be a great movie to uh, to know this story. Yeah. Unfortunately, they, you know, like Hollywood usually does, they, they you know, mess up, mess it up and yeah. get a lot of the facts wrong. But it is an extraordinary story. And that's, that's the thing about real history to me. It's so much more interesting than, than fiction in, in so many ways. But at any rate, he comes back, he finds out that his village has been wiped out by disease because those European fishermen were also bringing things like smallpox and other diseases to which Native Americans had no uh, mm-hmm. immunity. Uh, his village was completely gone. Uh, but he, he uh, you'd think, that, oh, the English took him as a slave. He'd hate them, but he actually gravitated to them because he saw them as a uh, as an, a potential ally he knew the value of the english they had things like um, guns and 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 steel and uh so he he was so he uh introduces uh the the englishman to massasoit who's the the chief of the wampanoag uh, group there mm-hmm. and they also see the english as potential allies, because th- there's a lot of fighting in between the natives. There wasn't one big group of Indians all happy and living in, in uh, peace with nature. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of rival groups. There were wars between uh, uh, different groups. So the, the, um, the Indians saw the English as a, as a potential ally and a very powerful one, and that's really the, the root of their relationship. So in that first Thanksgiving, they do sit down together, and things are relatively peaceful, but it didn't last very long, unfortunately, and that's the the kind of dark underside of the of the Thanksgiving story. That within you know forty years, the um, the influx of English and uh, disappearing lands and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the changes uh, really brought the the Native Americans and uh, and the English American settlers to war, and the wars were long and bloody and brutal and. Um, of course, the, the uh, Anglo-American settlers finally won, but it was pretty nip and tuck for a while. You know, I'm, I'm so interested with these fishermen who are going up and down the coast of uh, North America. Fish, where did they come from? They lived on their boats, and, and where did they go and eventually? Did they, did they preserve their catch did they to bring it back to Europe? Condos well, in Florida? What was the deal with them? They did preserve their catch. They, uh, mostly they caught cod. There's a reason they call it Cape Cod. Uh, they caught cod, and they would come ashore and, and dry it. 
Um, and some of the first people to do this were, were Portuguese. They they caught cod. Mm-hmm. Came along, and yeah, I don't know if you uh, uh, there's an Italian dish called bacala, dried salted codfish. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's really where it began, and huh. and so you know it's a small thing, but uh, the 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 codfish was really very important in the discovery and ultimately the settlement of America because those uh, those sailors knew how to get to to America to fish in these these extraordinarily rich waters uh, off um, uh, coastal New England. They came for the cod, and uh, they would stay. They would uh, they would trade a little bit, and then they would head back to to Europe with with the. Uh, with the bacala, and while they were, huh. and they would occasionally take Native Americans and keep them as slaves. They, they, they indeed did, and uh, that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, not unusual. Or, or uh, uh, you know, they, they were, they were viewed as savages, and so they, just as Africans were, were taken as slaves, and there had been a long history of that, of course, already uh, back to Europe. Uh, the, these, um, these savages in America were also viewed as. Uh, potentially as, as, as slaves or servants. I'm sorry we're out of time, Ken, because I have a feeling that Pocahontas really wasn't listening to the colors of the wind, was she? Oh, no, but I'll tell you what, uh, Callie was uh, calling up one of our listeners, and evidently uh, Disney made a movie about uh, Squanto. Okay, uh, that that one I haven't seen. Cartoon yeah. or a movie? I, I don't know, but there's... I, it's, I know it was a cartoon? I, I know what they did with the Pocahontas story. So yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm quite afraid yeah. of what they did with with Squanto. You know, guys, th- thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure, and um, thank you. Uh, enjoyed being with you on Thanksgiving, and it's always important to remember. Even especially in tough times, we have a lot to be grateful for. So we do. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. Have a lovely holiday, Ken. Bye-bye. Our pleasure. Take care. Bye bye. It's Ken Davis, the author of Don't Know Much About History, and now don't know much about anything else. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Bob and Cher. The Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Cherry app. Wes. How are you this morning? Welcome, Wes. Wes, for like 29 years, you've been enduring something at Thanksgiving? Well, well, first I want to say I love my wife and her big redneck family. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Well played, my friend. Well played. I want to get that out of the way. Okay. Uh, but back years ago, uh, and I'm, I'm a religious person myself, a Christian, and, and so are their family. We stand around for the very first time for whatever holiday it is, and we hold hands. And do you remember the old prayer, God is great, God is good? Yes. Okay. They sing, or they say, God is good, God is great. Let us thank him for our food. And that sound so, no, I, I know I, that doesn't sound like a big deal, and I love them, but we have yeah. no, no less than 30 people, and every birthday, Easter, <laughs> Christmas, Thanksgiving. Say it again. Get say. it out of your system. Say, <laughs> say it, it again. Say it again, Wes. They say, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. <laughs> You're and, killing me. And it's just, it's, it's You're so killing small. me, Wes. It's so small. I know. No, it's big. But this Thursday, we're <laughs> going to be up there again. And once again, we're going to do the same thing. Do it again. Christmas. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. <laughs> and I can't figure it out. And nobody, <laughs> nobody has ever said anything. I mean, not new grandkids, nobody. Wes, you've got to stop it, though. You're the one. You're the only hope. At this could least, go, 
This will spread. At least get them to swap out the word food for the word plate. Try. You know, that's good. Tried. I actually say it correctly under my breath because I can't bring myself to it. <laughs> but I don't want to miss out on the food, and I don't want to be kicked out. And you don't want to be that guy. I don't. I really don't. And I and I do love them. As I do said, almost 29 years of marriage, I do love them. Wes. But I know this Thursday, once again, 30 people were going to say, God is good, God is great. Let us thank him for our food. <laughs> let's, let's all say it as a show along with Wes, shall we? Join hands, everyone. Yeah. Ready? There we go. Ready? Yeah. God, God is good. God, God is great. great. Let, Let us thank him for our food. <laughs> Is there not something that screams inside of other people there? Wes, Are you the only one? Every year as you clasp hands, do you find yourself tensing up? Every time. Easter, every birthday. She has six brothers, three older and three younger, and then all their siblings. So every birthday, every Easter, every... Halloween, every Christmas, whatever it is, we will all grasp hands and 29 people will say, God is good, God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Wes, um, have you talked to your wife? I know you said at the top you love her so much. Oh, my wife, she she actually, she's like, that's just them. But that's I just, just them. I, I thought somewhere, I thought somewhere along these 29 years, Someone else would go, wait a second. That <laughs> Do you know, if if I saw that scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation... You'd be on the floor. You'd be on the floor laughing. I, you know, I mean, what, what can I do? I love them. I'm not going anywhere, so... We understand you, Wes. You're a good man, Wes. Veterans, there's no real way to say thank you for everything you've done for us. But the Bob and Cherry Show is sure going to try. We want to send veterans on vacation. Thanks to our friends at Visit Florida. Just nominate your favorite veteran by going to BobandCherry.com and hitting the contest tab and sharing their story. We could send that veteran and their family to Amelia Island, Florida to stay five nights at Residence Inn by Marriott Amelia Island. Located near the beach, this hotel has spacious suites complete with full kitchens, which are perfect for families. This also includes an eight-hour fishing charter with pipe dream charters, a round of golf at Amelia Island River Club, and a Lux Boho Picnic, courtesy of Lux Picnics by Les, plus round-trip flights and a rental car. If you're an active military or a veteran, Florida salutes you. Bob and Sherry are sending veterans on vacation. Nominate a veteran or yourself today at BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. Bob and Sherry contest rules apply. The Off-Air Podcast, the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. Download on the free Bob and Sherry app, website, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Bob and Sherry. I learned something very fun about those Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas Channel movies. Um, Most of them are written by the same person. You're kidding. A woman named Karen Schaller, I think is how she says her name. Um she, the Danielle Steele of she Hallmark. Writes for, she writes original Christmas movies for Netflix, Hallmark, and Lifetime. She said, it's basically Christmas all year round for me. I bet. It, what an unusual way an for unusual a writer to go career. through a career. Yeah, yeah, what a strange career. Yeah. And there's a really funny meme. Someone just tweeted it at me the other day. Um, The Hallmark movie Christmas plot generator. Oh, Todd's Todd printed it. All right, good. I'll read it to you right now. Um. It's because it's 
It's excellent. It's perfect. I love the people that have, have the time to, to make these up. Pick one from each block. So, um, All right, go ahead. So let's go with a recently single interior designer mm-hmm. returns to her small town at Christmas time to enter a folksy contest and magically falls in love with Christmas, the town, and some guy who lives there. <laughs> you want to do another yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. so on the money. Um, the world-weary main character meets um, is playing an early 2000s actor you forgot about who returns to her small town at Christmas time to save the family business and magically falls in love with a single dad and his precocious child. Bingo! A recently single baker returns to her <laughs> small town at Christmas to stop some big corporation from closing one of the stores and magically falls in love with a sensitive guy in plaid. Yep. Want another one? Yeah. Um, you know what this reminds me of a little bit? Um, it, it's a dark movie. The uh, Julia Roberts movie where um, she was escaping the... Sleeping uh, with the enemy. Sleeping with the enemy. She went to a small town in and the fell Midwest in love with the and guy fell in, in a plaid shirt. Um, a big city lawyer returns to her small town at Christmas to appease her sassy best friend and magically falls in love with some guy and his dog. <laughs> you know, it's interesting here. They're all small towns. Well, every every one of these. Although I think there was one I watched. Okay, let me see if I remember it right. Yes, she's a personal shopper in New York City, mm-hmm. and he's a very important corporate executive with no Christmas spirit and no time for foolishness. And so she's going to do all of his Christmas shopping, but she's exasperated with him because he just has no personality. And then they, I don't know, they magically fall in love. That sounds like a Doris blah, Day blah, movie. Blah. But does it stay in New York yeah. City? It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give you one more. Yeah. A career-oriented writer <laughs> returns to her small town at Christmas <laughs> to save the family business and magically falls in love with an old flame and meets the only old man in town who is actually the real Santa Claus. Wow! Yeah, that's a do good you think, one. Do you think? Plot twist. Do you think Hallmark would be better off if they used uh, a variety of writers that they might get a little bit more depth? No, because when I turn that channel on, I don't want depth. I want a small town, a career-oriented <laughs> baker who returns yeah. to her small town at Christmas to yeah. stop the local bakery from going out of business, and then she magically falls in love with her old high school boyfriend. If I wanted depth. I have HBO. That's yeah. what I'm there for. You know, um, Americans were asked in some survey, a really legitimate survey company, what is your dream for where you live? And you know what it is? What you just described. Yep. It's it, it's a town that has some stuff going on. It's got a bookstore. It's got some restaurants. But it's a small town in America. Mine, if I were single, my Hallmark Christmas movie would be... A workaholic radio personality <laughs> returns to her small town to bail her brother out of county lockup and magically falls in love with the bail bondsman Ace. Yeah. That would be mine. Yeah. yeah. I'd watch it. It's a little darker. That's why they're not putting it on <laughs> it's the It's a little closer to reality. How much do you think she's making? Uh, Just Big Bank? I think she's making enough to have it be Christmas all year round. All year round, yeah, you're right. And good for her. (laughs) 
listening to the best of Bob and Sherry. Restless Shores is the story of a billion-dollar pharmaceutical company and the somewhat quirky family that runs it. Shenanigans ensue every week. For 15 bingeable minutes at a time, you can enjoy murder, corporate espionage, organized crime, master thieves, more clones than necessary, treasure, sabotage, kidnapping, torture, adultery, seduction, plastic surgery, psychic readings, explosions. Feeling restless for more on-the-go content? We know we are. Go to our website at www.restless-shores.com. You know you want to. Find Restless Shores wherever you get your podcasts. It is time now for the People's Movie Critic. I'm assuming that the majority of people have Netflix, okay? Except, of course, our Amish listeners, Caleb and Elvesta, who can't because they don't have electricity. <laughs> they spend all their time baking shoe fly pie and playing tiddly wink or whatever. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> You, know, you got to understand, if you're easily offended, this movie is not for you. Lars's terrible accent, though, you ask about that, it seems to come and go. And I'm not sure if that's on purpose because that would be funny or if he's just lazy and he wanted to get this thing over with. I know for a fact I did. I wanted to get this over with. You're going to love this. Let me, let me ask you, though, is 11 minutes and 40 seconds worth of a fight scene a little tiring? Not if you ain't the ones fighting. <laughs> I think that's a fair point. <laughs> Listen for his reviews every Friday and get all his reviews at bobandcherry.com. Oh, well, this is odd. I'm decidedly odd. It's the Bob and Sherry off-air podcast called The Oddcast with stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast drops every Monday and Wednesday on the Bob and Sherry website and the free Bob and Sherry app. I listen to you on the way to work and the Oddcast on the way home from work every day. I love Aren't it. you sweet? Thank you. The off-air Bob and Sherry podcast called The Oddcast. Download it now at bobandsherry.com with the free Bob and Sherry app or wherever you get your podcasts. Ways to get in touch with the Bob and Sherry Show. Stick your head out a window and yell, Hey, Bob and Sherry. Hey, Bob and Sherry! Get the Bob and Sherry free app for your phone and leave us a talkback message. Hey, Bob and Sherry. Email us through the Bob and Sherry website, bobandsherry.com, or email us hello at bobandsherry.com. Or you can call us at 833-4244-BOB or 844-52-SHERRY. Hello, Bob and Sherry. Leave us a DM on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Or you can just kick it old school and yell out the window. Hey! Bob and Sherry! Bob and Sherry Books, Swag, and the Mother of All Mothers Merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. So, I want to talk about women's handbags. You were just talking about women's <laughs> okay. handbags. Okay. It's a sensitive <laughs> It's a sensitive subject for me because as regular listeners know, uh, since I've been married to my wife over the years, I've tried two or three times to bu- to buy her a handbag. Yeah, no. And uh, evidently... Um, my taste is in a place that I can't talk about because she uh, she didn't like any of them, and they were expensive. Is it that place where your head spits? It is. My my taste in my head is there, evidently. So um, okay. I don't like to talk about them mostly. But you just said that there are two types of women. The first woman has a perfectly organized, almost military like. Um, handbag where you can find anything in a moment that is my friend evelyn the inside of her handbag is more spotless than some hospital um operating rooms and then there's the other type where there's just a million things chaos chaos is in the handbag i have never met anyone like 
I've never dated anyone like Evelyn with a handbag that's as organized as that. They are, for most men, one of the, I'll tell you what one of the scariest things is. When, when the woman that you're with, whether you're married to her or you're dating her, says, can you fish out my, uh, my keys or um, some uh, wipes or um, a, the, the phone or whatever the item might be? When my wife asks me to do that, I get so nervous. I go in and I don't know what it is. It's, a, it's, it's the male eyes. I'm, I know what keys look like, and by God, I cannot find them. I'm, I'm moving stuff around. I'm, I'm shaking it. I can't find them, and I know what's going to happen. I'm going to hear the sigh and the words, never mind, I'll do it. She'll open it up and pluck them right out. I can't. How does that work? I, am, I have been training myself to carry smaller and smaller bags. I have a phone. I've got the iPhone uh, 7 Plus. It's huge. I put that iPhone in there and my keys, and it vanishes. It's like some sort of Harry Potter level magic trick. Oh, really? It's awful. And I try and I try and I try, and I've just given up. I'm never gonna be. I'm never gonna be that person in the spotless car with the organized handbag. And the super cute outfits all the time, seven days a week. I'm never going to be able to do it. You know, if you were talking, if I were, if I were using these words, you know, what you would say to me, "That's because you don't want to be that person." I do. I've tried so hard. No, you would succeed. You're a very smart person. You've accomplished a lot. You just don't want to be that person because it's not meaningful to you. It's very meaningful to me, but I too many people lean on me to remember and deal with their crap. And so my head is just that mean? full. What does that mean? My head is so full and my handbag and car is too with this piece of paper that has to get turned into school tomorrow and this receipt just in case that dance costume didn't fit and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to begin with any of it. It's exhausting and I've just given up. But I do enjoy pulling up alongside women who have their um, perfect pulled together act together. And studying them in traffic. Love that. There's not that many women like that, I think. I mean, I know that I know the gal you're talking about, because I see her sometimes too. You know what I saw? I saw that exact woman coming out of the supermarket the other day. And and she had on uh, heels, very expensive looking uh, suit. Her hair was unbelievable. Unbelievable blonde hair. And she was tall and she had a beautiful handbag. And walking behind her like a coolie was some one of the uh, bagger guys holding her groceries yeah. as she walked to the car to her spotless black Lincoln Navigator? Uh, seriously, I mean, I I've never yep. s- I've seen that maybe two or three times a month. I couldn't ask a guy to do that, but she had no problems at all because she felt she was deservant of it. Um, some people, I mean, it's kind of like there's some people that are just so naturally orderly that they take all of the time it takes to touch the piece of paper once, like that piece yeah. of business advice that you get, or, uh-huh. you know, at the end of the day to go through their handbag and make sure it's orderly. Who who are these people? I'm not even genetically capable of that. I'm you- glad if at the end of the day I pull into the right driveway. <laughs> Do you know how many times a week? Do you know how many times a week this is so embarrassing? I find myself trying desperately to get into someone else's car that's the same color as mine. Not even the same make and model, just the same general My color. girlfriend is one of these people. 
And when I, what I do is I always leave things out to remind me to do them. Right. And so there's clutter, but I have the reminder. She puts stuff away. And I go, what would you do with that? And she said, well, it was out. And I go, yeah, I know it was out. I left it out because... And she said, well, that shouldn't be out because everything has to be pristine in its place. all the time. A place for something, everything in its place, like they say in the Army. I understand what she's saying. I don't live that way. I think that's easier to do when you live alone, maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe with just one other person. Right. But how do you have that same sort of discipline when you have kids in your house and all of their crap? Um, you have to just give up. Like, Karen Mia's on the debate team at school, because that's what I needed, was my daughter to be trained in arguing. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> boy, boy, has that been a good time for all of us. So this thing comes home from debate. It's printed on green paper in a font so small that you need a magnifying glass double-sided about 22 pages stapled and she hands it to me and says mr so-and-so needs you to read this and understand it because you have to be a judge at a tournament every parent does at least once my master's thesis was not as complicated as the rules of judging this particular high school debate so now i've got the green tiny font stapled sheaf of papers where am i putting it what am I doing with it? If I put it out of sight, it's out of mind. And then the day of the tournament comes along and I haven't read it. It's been on my kitchen island for two months now. Yeah, I know. I know. And I'll, ta- I'll tell you, you some gotta more. Read it. I'll tell you some more about the child trained to argue. Be glad you dodged that one because it is not a good time. The Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Cherry app. Okay, so uh, my kid is on the debate team at school. And um, they are trained in arguing. And she does this. There's all different kinds of debate. And to be honest, I don't know that much about it. We did not have a debate team at my school. I don't know if you had a debate team at your school. We did not. But there's like Lincoln Douglas style debate Mm -hmm. and there's Congress style debate. And then there's something called public forum debate. That's what she does. PF debate. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a little foggy on what the difference between one and the other is. But here's what I do know. Since she has been um, on the debate team, uh, you can't ask her to pass the salt without feeling like an exhausting <laughs> uh, hour of C-SPAN just took over your life. <laughs> you actually, it makes sense. You, you know? actually had a little taste of this. Bob and I were uh, driving in the car together. We were going to visit our listeners at WGNI. Shout out, hey, everybody. We had a great time. So we're driving together in the car, and my phone rings, and, and it's, uh, it's her. It's the debate, the great debater. And she's heading to um, a debate tournament that weekend, riding a bus. And she didn't get home till like two o'clock in the morning at the end of the weekend, really far away. So they're going to go stay at a university and they're going to debate all these other high schools from different states. And she has packed for this, but she has forgotten her shampoo and conditioner. Now, her preferred brand is Pantene. So she calls me and um, she needs the she needs me to bring her the shampoo and conditioner. And I tell her that I cannot do that because Chit Chat and I are in the car on our way out of town and I'm already more than an hour away from home and I do not have time to turn back around and get her the shampoo. And by the way, you're staying in a hotel. Hotels always, even like the skeeziest ones, 
always have a bottle of shampoo and conditioner and a small bar of French milled soap. That's exactly right. So I say to her, don't worry, not a problem. You can use the hotel shampoo and conditioner. Pause. Well, I see your point, Mom, but the problem with that is is that hotel shampoo and conditioner will make my hair damaged. Uh, no, it won't, sweetie. You Have you ever experienced hair damage from ho- sh- uh, hotel shampoo and conditioner? No, Mom, but um, I, my hair needs Pantene, and here's why my hair needs Pantene. Then she proceeds to deliver me some verbatim Pantene advertising. Right? So she's backing up her points. She's backing up her points. Right. And and refuting mine. And so when I say to her, there is no way that hotel shampoo and conditioner will hurt your hair, she says to me, where is your evidence? (gasps) She actually is taking on a new skill set. Yes. Mom, but where is your evidence? Well, it's where Chit Chat keeps his (laughs) gift-giving ideas and his head. (laughs) Hang on. While I bend him over and pull it out. <sighs> she is becoming a professional arguer. Now she wants to be a litigator. She wants yeah. to be a lawyer, a courtroom lawyer. So yeah. good luck to everyone. It looks like she's picking up some skills, and good luck to the first husband. So, and there will be a first <laughs> husband. So exhausting. So when she finally accepts my evidence that I'm not turning her out, then she wants Kevin to go. And I'm like, honey, Kevin is not anywhere near you. He's working in another county. So how did, how did it all side. work out? How did it all work out? What did she do? She used hotel shampoo and conditioner and informed me via text message that she expected to wake up bald but did not. The horror. And I just ignored that message because Smart. where's her evidence Bob? <laughs> You're listening to the best of Bob and Sherry. Use the talk back, feature talk back feature on the free Bob and Sherry app and leave us a message. All right, Max has worked on something really fun. Um, he came up with the, the secret kind of hidden meanings that have been lost of some of the most popular traditional Christmas songs. Ooh. Like they mean, you, they don't mean just what you think they mean. They're uh-huh. messages and symbols and stuff. Oh. So why don't we start with the 12 days of Christmas? Okay, so what's the hidden meaning? And if you were with us yesterday, we once again salute Bob for his clever, crafty way of sneaking in the cost of the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, and I had you interested toward the end. The song was written by Catholics as a way to celebrate their faith in secret. Between 1552 and 1829, it was illegal in England for Catholics to practice Catholicism. So they made up a song with secret messages so that they could celebrate their faith. A partridge in a pear tree, um, is that's God, because a partridge used to be a symbol for a sacred king. Mm-hmm. Two turtle doves, Old and New Testaments, three French hens, the God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, God, the Son, the Holy yeah, Spirit, yeah, yeah. four calling birds, the four Gospels, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ten Lords of Leaping were the mm-hmm. Ten Commandments. Ah. Um, the 12 drummers drumming, those are the 12 disciples of Jesus. And so this was a 
basically undercover way of an doing an undercover it. protest song. Was the the Pope was not in there? Um, I don't think so. No, no, no I don't think the Pope no. is in there. Um, okay, that's so that's, that's fascinating. That one. Yeah, what's the next one? Next up, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. So listen to this for a minute. You're not going to believe the story. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. The man who wrote this was named James Gillespie, and he had just lost his brother, and he was grieving. And he was traumatized by his brother's death. He was sitting on the subway um, reminiscing about the childhood that he and his brother had. And how at Christmas time, his mom, their mom would tell them that they better behave because Santa Claus was watching. And right there on the subway, thinking about his brother and remembering that. Oh, he did the, all the lyrics and he submitted them the next day. That's very poignant. And it became... Mm-hmm. This happy song, which you would never have guessed, had sadness Came from tragedy, it. yeah. All right, now we go to Deck the Halls. Deck the Halls with bells of Hotly. This is Pentatonics, by the way. Season to be jolly. So, back in 16th century Wales, a man named Thomas Oliphant took a very traditional New Year's song and transformed it into Deck the Halls. The tune is the same, and most of the lyrics are changed, are the same, except he did change one line. In the original song, the lyric was, Oh, how soft my fair one's bosom. He changed that to Deck the Halls with Bows of Holly. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So he actually brought in the words Deck the Halls. Yeah. But the song has been around for 400 years? Yeah. It just, that's amazing. It was for New Year's, yeah, not for Christmas. That's amazing. It's been around a lot. All right. Um, next up, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. So horrible. My two front teeth. See my two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. So the songwriter, Donald, and it's a married couple, Donald and Doris Gardner, they were singing with a second grade class, and the assignment was they were going around the room, and each child had to sing what they wanted for Christmas. They couldn't right. say it. Right. And um, Donald Gardner said, so many of these kids were missing their front teeth, <laughs> and the lisp was so adorable that they uh-huh. wrote an entire song about it. Actually, that's kind of sweet, isn't it? It's yep. hard to listen to, but it's that's a sweet thing, yeah. Do you have what was the year? Do you have the year? I don't that that for that them? one. I, I think fifties. I, I think it was earlier than that. I think it was like really? late forties. Late forties. Yeah. And right. then next up we have Jingle Bells. And Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in the Pacific Chevrolet. Jingle Bells, Jingle Jingle, Jingle all the way. So here is. Here's a fun trivia fact that you can use 
while you're trying to make awkward conversation at your company Christmas party. Jingle Bells is the very first song that was ever broadcast from space. The astronauts on Gemini 6 played Jingle Bells. It's the very first song that was ever broadcast from space. But it was actually written as a Thanksgiving song. So I guess they were up there at this time of the year? It was act- Like I said, it was yeah. actually a Thanksgiving song. Yeah. There are no real Thanksgiving songs that I can think of. There's, there's got to be some up there somewhere, but not like Christmas songs. So was it called Jingle Bells? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, because there's, there's no mention of... Uh, yeah, of We're the holiday. Just yeah, dashing through the snow. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, we'll come back and do some more of these. Yeah. It's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry ask, "Do you know a crazy cat person?" Are you crazy? We are not crazy. Are you a crazy cat person? Well, time to out yourself and proclaim to the world your love of your kitty best friend. Well, it's the "My Life Is All About My Cat" line in the Bob and Sherry store with T-shirts available in an assortment of colors with the perfect style for you. You sex, women's, and even tank tops in sizes small to 3X. Or you can have tea or coffee with your kitty pal with ceramic mugs that also say my life is all about my cat. And of course, Sherry's award-winning cooking with cats is chock full of great recipes and fun photos of felines frolicking in the kitchen. With shirts, drinkware, and a cookbook, the Bob and Sherry store has your crazy cat person covered this holiday season, even if it's you. Yeah, they're crazy, but they're a lot of fun. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. Instant access to the podcast, podcast, fun size, and more with the free Bob and Sherry app. The uh, story behind the story of well-known Christmas songs. Yeah, Max, this is really cool. Thank you. So we've already done Jingle Bells, All I Want for Christmas, My Two Front Teeth, Deck the Hall, Santa Claus Coming to Town, 12 Days of Christmas. Now we're at O Little Town of Bethlehem. This is Jewel, by the way. How still we see the light above the deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by. Yet in the dark streets shineth. I like this version. Okay, so, so the what's man the story? who wrote it is named Philip Brooks, and he actually rode on horseback from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to participate in the nativity scene that's held every year in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to fully experience it, mm-hmm. so he was part of a caravan of people that rode on horseback. And he said the experience was so profound and so inspiring and left, made him feel so connected to the story, the original story of Christ's birth, that that inspired him to write the song. You know, this has a very peaceful feel to it. Yep. I've never heard it where it did not. And I would imagine being out in the desert on horseback or camel or whatever, there wouldn't be much noise. There'd be a lot of peace. And if you caught a good night, maybe a starry sky. And so he was inspired. Yeah. Next up is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which was originally written for a movie... Meet me in St. Louis, but it's very dark, and it was actually darker. The director and the actors in the movie 
got the guy that wrote the song, Hugh Martin. And they said, dude, this is so depressing. <laughs> and so he actually changed the lyrics. They were more depressing than, than they this, are yeah. now? I can't imagine unless... What were you giving me grief about? Um, Have yourself talking about like my dog getting older and stuff yesterday. <laughs> I mean, they, this was really depressing. If you want to see, if you want to take this song and make it a hundred times more depressing, I think I might have mentioned this to you last year. I can't. Do, you, do I need to move along? Yeah. Okay, let's get the others in. Um, White Christmas, which was written by Irving Berlin. Yes. He was all alone in New York, and he was missing his family, and it happened to air on the radio. It debuted on the radio. Shortly after Pearl Harbor was bombed, and so it became an anthem for soldiers the following Christmas. Oh, is that right? And that's how it originally got traction as a hit. Yeah. Because it was something we played so it for was the military. Re- it was released, but then, uh, that's right, because of Pearl Harbor around that time of the year, yeah. And this next one mm-hmm. was not supposed to be a Christmas song. It's a Ukrainian folk song, which is all about celebrating how spring is here. It's about birds flying into your home to bring you luck. It's Carol of the Bells. Sweet silver bells all seem to say, throw cares away. Christmas is here, bring This is another Christmas song you either really like or you hate or you don't want to hear it. An English songwriter heard the Ukrainian folk version mm-hmm. and changed it to make it a Christmas song. Pentatonics again, by the way. And finally, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, the writer, Robert May, felt like an outcast all throughout his childhood. He had bad grades. He was younger than the other kids in his class. He wrote the song because he was trying to turn it into a children's book, but um, it never made it as a book. It made it as a song. As a song. And now we have Rudolph the red Is that Reindeer. right? Very good. Nice job there, Max. The story behind the story with our beloved and Christmas course, songs. Christmas was the first song where the recording outsold the sheet music. Oh, is that right? That one fact from the day. Was that in a movie? I think it was in a Bing Crosby movie, yes. Holiday Inn. Yes. I think that's where I read yeah, I knew about it was that one. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Bob and Sherry. Hey, Bob and Sherry. Hey, Bob and Sherry. Hi, Bob and Sherry. You may not know that we have an app, although I feel like we constantly scream it at you all the time. If you go to Google Play or the Apple App Store, the Bob and Sherry app is absolutely free, and it does all sorts of cool stuff. You can listen to our podcast and our podcast that way. You can talk back to the show. You can text to win all sorts of neat stuff. It's just a cool thing, and it's absolutely free. It's the Bob and Sherry app in the App Store and free on Google Play. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. The Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Cherry app. I was reading this very interesting thing called the Clue Ideal Partner Survey, and it took a look at what women in 180 countries around the world want in a man. And it's very different depending on where you're from. Very different. Is that right? Yeah. So, like, for example... I think the number one choice is a Caribbean vacation and a Volvo station wagon. That, is, that, is that up yeah, there? Yeah, that didn't show up on no? the list. But no. let's start with the obvious ones, like financial security. Mm-hmm. Um, people, Women in France have the least amount of concern for whether or not their man has financial security. Women in Japan have the most. Is that right? Yeah. 
and, and the U.S. has U.S. is a couple of steps down from Japan. I wouldn't have picked France uh, with that attitude. I don't know why, just because I've never thought about that sort of a situation. But I would have picked Japan because they are so focused on success and status and status. Yeah, yeah like the sixty-six point six percent of Japanese women say that the most important thing that a man has to have is financial security. And that drops down. Mexico's in second place. The United States is in third. And it just keeps dropping, dropping, dropping till we get to France, where basically a third of French women are like, yeah, if you're financially stable, that's good. Well, they're Not making, really lo- they're making love all day long. We all know that. Um, now, where it's uh, super interesting is po- same political views. Mm-hmm. That's really big in the U.S. And I wonder if that's changed. Because I of wonder the if culture it didn't now. used yeah. to be as big as it is now. Brazil and the United States, that's a total deal breaker for those two countries. If you don't have the same political outlook. Yeah, total deal breaker. It's got to be a tough house to live in this year. If you are in opposite Every year for the past many years. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you think it's a recent thing, but um, I've been watching people fighting about this on Facebook since Obama's first term. You know, you know what I think is also probably pretty tough where you have one person who is hyper political or at least very interested in the political scene and has strong feelings. And then you have a spouse who's just not a political person who just um, it's not that they don't care at all, but maybe they'll vote in the local election. Maybe they won't. But they don't have that passion that some people have I- to have to listen whether it's from the left or the right, to have to listen to that other person day and night has got to be stressful. I know a couple like that, and it is. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly what you just described. So kindness. Um, It turns out that um, women in Mexico and Argentina and Colombia, they really want a man to be kind. It barely registers in the U.S., that's hard to believe. That it's is It's really shocking. Kindness does not matter that much. It matters, but not 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 so much. Not in any real yeah. big dramatic way. You wonder what kind of kindness, you know, is it kindness toward you? Is it kindness toward the world? I think if you're a your kind, mother, I think if you're a kind person, you're a kind person. I don't think it's possible to be a complete mm-hmm. bag of D's, but you're kind to old ladies. Like either you're kind or you're not. Continue. Education. Uh huh. If you want to be with a Colombian woman, like the only Colombian woman I can think of off the top of my head is Gloria from Modern Family. Yeah, right. Uh, you better be kind and you better be educated. More than eight out of ten Colombian women are like, don't even bother. Is that right? Yeah. Kind and educated. Kind and educated. Wow. Yeah. Experienced with the ladies. This is almost a cliche. 75% of Italy leads the country there. 75% of Italian women are like, do not even, if you don't know what you're if doing. If you don't know what you're doing. Where is, yeah. do, do you have the United States? Way below 30%. No We're kidding. willing to work with you, yeah. If you've got some you other stuff going on, I'll teach you. I want to thank the ladies of America. I can't teach you to be kind, and I can't teach you to be financially stable, but by God, I can teach you a few tricks there. You you need that jingle stick. That's what you need. I know. You're right. All right. Religious similarity. What country do you think dominates in religious similarity? Uh, Give me a moment on that. 
It ain't, I'll give you a hint. It's not France. France is at the bottom. Israel. Mm-mm. The United States. Yep. Is that right? Religious and political similarity. That's what, huh. that's what women hear. I th- and I think in part because of the, what you said, like if you, ha- if you disagree on those two things, there's just a lot of conflict and ranting. It's just and that, your life is more challenging. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised because there are some people who came from very religious families that I know, and not necessarily just Christian families, that um, didn't embrace the, the religion as fervently as their parents did. And I would think that they might, you know, bend to another religion. There are five things that every woman in the world basically agreed on. I'll tell you what those are next, because Max is waving at me. We have to break. What are the five things about men that all the women of Earth are like, yeah, that's about the right order that a man should have those things. I know one of them is. You know what? It is. Yeah. All right. It's straight ahead. It's Bob and Sherry. Veterans, there's no real way to say thank you for everything you've done for us. But the Bob and Sherry Show is sure going to try. We want to send veterans on vacation. Thanks to our friends at Visit Florida. Just nominate your favorite veteran by going to BobandSherry.com and hitting the contest tab and sharing their story. We could send that veteran and their family to Amelia Island, Florida to stay five nights at Residence Inn by Marriott Amelia Island. Located near the beach, this hotel has spacious suites complete with full kitchens, which are perfect for families. This also includes an eight-hour fishing charter with pipe dream charters, a round of golf at Amelia Island River Club, and a Lux Boho Picnic, courtesy of Lux Picnics by Les, plus round-trip flights and a rental car. If you're an active military or a veteran, Florida salutes you. Bob and Sherry are sending veterans on vacation. Nominate a veteran or yourself today at BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. Bob and Sherry contest rules apply. The Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Sherry app. Okay, I don't know how you're going to be able to deal with this on on the air here. You're going to have to. I, 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 don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I was kidding about, I know what one of them is. <laughs> it is. And it is. So, there are I mean, five, how, there are five careful. things that all the women of Earth agree on they, they want in a man. And in, um, in, top, in bottom to top order, in the number five position, um, an average body type. Don't have to be like some sort of uh, Mr. Universe, dude. Right? Yeah. You can't all be Zach Efron. Prefer- well, I saw something that most American women prefer a guy with a kind of kind of a dad bod. 44% yeah. of the women of Earth are like, yep, just give me yeah. an average guy. Okay. All right. Number four. Really? Yeah. Yep. To what extent? Let's just say the word blessed comes to mind. Really? Yeah. Number four. That is number four. But you know, it's not number one. Yeah. It's not the most important thing. <clears throat> and right now, Bob is like, well, well, don't say that to me when you say that's that. That's exactly what, yeah, I know. Like yeah. I need it comforting. Right. I'm fine. <laughs> it's those other It's those, those other guys. About. Right, exactly. All right. The number three position, um, nice warm eyes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I really do think that expression, the eyes are the window of the soul. I yeah. really believe that. Like, I believe literally that, there, you know, there, that that's, you can tell a lot about a person. Yeah, I mean, there are some guys you'll see and they have, 
really beautiful eyes. You think of like icy blue eyes. Warm chocolatey there, eyes. There's, there's a coldness to yeah. the eyes sometimes. Yeah. You're right. So, hey, guys, if you missed out on number four, hashtag blessed, let's work on those eyes. All right. What is number three? How, how are we working or on the eyes? Number two. I'm sorry. Number two. <laughs> Because number three is eyes. I'd get some Visine in those things yeah, and start right. looking women directly in the eye right. with them. Um, number two is a is a friendly, attractive smile. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Smile. Everybody can have a smile yeah. for the most part. But you know, there's some people just have difficulty uh, consistently smiling. I mean, everybody knows the old, uh, she's got resting bee face, right? Yeah. And, and I think there are guys who are like that, too, that don't realize that when they're talking to you, they seem you angry. Know, or angry. Stern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stern, really. But we could all work on having a friendly, yeah. um, welcoming smile. And the number one thing, and don't get all, you know, because you don't have this one, but you don't need this one. Well, I have the other one. You have the other one. You can't have everything. That's right. If anything, and have all the women is going, oh, he has a nice uh, smile. He does have a nice smile. <laughs> and he has warm, chocolatey eyes. And an average body type. Yeah. Um, the 90% of women around the world say, whatever else, I'd like him to be taller than me. Oh, no kidding. But you don't need that because you have all the other. You've got you know, there's so many things on this that you're telling me I don't need. You don't need. Yeah. You have the other four. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot. And perhaps if you weren't being weighed down by one of them, you'd be a little bit there taller. There you go. Well, there you go. Yeah. Let me work that you know what wasn't with the on blonde one when There's I get one home. You've never I, tried. I have to run that by her when I get home. What wasn't on that list that we always hear all the time is personality, sense of, sense of humor. Yeah. Well, it might have yeah. been number six or seven. I mean, this was these were but the Max, five. Max is right. It's always that at was, the top. Yeah. It's always at the yeah. top. A sense of humor. I'll never forget hearing a comedian say one time, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, those guys are hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was very encouraging. Average yeah. body type. Right. Nice eyes and a nice smile. Mm -hmm. Anybody can work with that. I, for I forgot who uh, the actress was, but she was a really well-known actress. And she was on one of the late night talk shows and they asked her well you're single now what do you look for in a man and she laid out number four as number one did she really uh-huh yeah well the times they are a changing once um, again sense of humor not on her list well it certainly wasn't number one it on wasn't her number list. one no that's right <laughs> so it used to be yeah i'll um i'll put this up on our facebook and you can go check it out for yourself it's just interesting to see how many things we all had in common as Earth women. Who's going to go check that out? Someone that um, has already forgotten what number five and number four yeah, were. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably right. It's the best <laughs> Bob and Sherry. That's the best. You guys kill me. I love you, Bob and Sherry. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. Banned from the holiday family gathering? Tell us. Hit the mic on the Bob and Sherry app. All right, so we're back with the People's Movie Critic, and now that his face is tight and right for the biggest food holiday of the year, <laughs> People's Movie Critic, what's on the menu? You know, people people get all excited about birthdays and just all kinds of different... There's, that's nothing. This is the day. 
this is the day because it does not bring with it the heaviness of Christmas and gifts and all that kind of stuff. Okay. This is just loosen that belt and go at it, boys. Ain't nobody mad at nobody else. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're traveling to Alabama uh, for for Thanksgiving, and so I'll make some stuff to go down. But my biggest thing that I make when we go down is uh, collard greens, and that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I'll work on that all day. And, of course, they'll have the turkey and the dressing and, you know <clears> – <throat> There, I there are. Can I can I interrupt you? There are people listening right now who don't really know what who don't know what are. collard greens are. Can you explain to folks what they are? It's like a turnip green. Would they know what turnip green? No, is? they don't know what no. a turnip green is. No, um, Lamar, don't. in this country, yeah, yeah. In this country? No, no, they Lamar, don't. What do you people eat? Avocado toast. That's what they know. People know what cooked spinach is. So right. start with cooked spinach and right. go from there. <clears throat> okay. Well. All right. Well, forget all that. Collard greens is a large, leafy uh, vegetable. If you think of uh, spinach on triple steroids, like it's a huge leaf, and it's got a, a, a rib stem running down the middle, and you have to cut that out um, so that, you know. And the secret to the whole deal is the liquid that you cook it in, which they refer to as pot liquor. The, that, that, the the, uh, the collards themselves they soak up all the flavor from whatever you put in in the water. I'm sorry. So, could we could we stop at pot liquor for a moment there? <laughs> You're going to need to explain <laughs> what, what that what is. What was too. that? <laughs> okay, pot liquor is uh-huh. what well, after you've cooked the the uh, collard greens in the in the water that you cook them in. Yeah, and you get them out. Well, you've, you'll have that water left, mm-hmm. and at the end of the meal. You'll usually take whatever cornbread you got left over and you put some of that pot liquor in a bowl and put uh, the cornbread in there and, you know, then you eat cornbread and pot liquor. And it's really, you know, it's awesome. I I have so many more questions, but let's just let it go. Continue. (laughs) Well, okay. The thing is, what you do is you start off, you got to have some sort of pork situation, some sort of meat type thing. So you you get, you'll get like, uh, you can get all kinds of different pork, but you get cheap pieces of pork and you mm-hmm. saute it in butter right. and then put it in a thing. Then you add onions and peppers and jalapenos and butter right. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you cook the water for a few hours before you do anything else. And yeah. it's just, it's a, it's a tremendous green side. It's awesome. It's good for I, you. I, I fought great. it for years and I finally tried it and I love collard greens now. And yeah. you know, you could like, if all you had was that pot liquor and that and you drank that? You could maybe fend off scurvy with that. Now I realize that scurvy is not a problem a lot of Americans are up against. I think Sherry, if you drink pot liquor, you could fend off here. a lot. <laughs> including your spouse. All right, Lamar, so continue. Is that your is that your mama's recipe that you use for that? No, no, no. My mom never cooked collars. She only cooked turnip greens. And uh she never ventured into the collard situation. Uh so I started that on my own. And I've experimented with some different stuff. I've got it down pat, though. Uh, my other highlight for, for Thanksgiving is the canned cranberry stuff. I love that canned cranberry sauce. Yeah, smooth. I mean, the smooth, <clears throat> the smooth kind. Yeah, well, it's, but it's also got the uh, lines of the can. Yes. So you, know yes. How to, so you can slice it. You yes. can slice it exactly correctly. I uh-huh. love it. I, I love lo- it. So do hey, I. Somebody. Somebody came to my house and they had made fresh cranberry sauce out of fresh cranberries. No. And they're like, this is awesome. And I'm like, really? No. 
it, it don't seem awesome to me. No, I, mean, I agree. <laughs> I like I like that jelly when it hits that when it hits the thing and you flip it over and you slice it by the lines. God, yeah. I love it. Stuff. Nice and cold. It. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, right. very I love good. It. I love I'm just, I'm just picturing because I, I get the emails. Sometimes Lamar will make a reference, and uh-huh. somebody will email me and go, "What did the People's Movie Critic mean when he said?" <laughs> and I'm just picturing the look on some folks' faces that are going pot liquor, pot liquor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's great. It's the next country hey, album number one in the country. Don't the name you of the- think that pot liquor would be a great name for like a hound dog? <laughs> it would be. Oh, yes, God, Potlicker's a good name. No, Jason Aldean's next album, Potlicker, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, People's Movie Critics, safe travels as you go over the river and through the woods. Bob and Sherry ask, do you know a crazy cat person? Are you crazy? We are not crazy. Are you a crazy cat person? Well. Time to out yourself and proclaim to the world your love of your kitty best friend. Well. It's the My Life is All About My Cat line in the Bob and Sherry store with t-shirts available in an assortment of colors with the perfect style for you. Unisex, women's, and even tank tops in sizes small to 3X. Or you can have tea or coffee with your kitty. Kitty Pow with ceramic mugs that also say my life is all about my cat. And of course, Sherry's award-winning cooking with cats is chock full of great recipes and fun photos of felines frolicking in the kitchen. With shirts, drinkware, and a cookbook, the Bob and Sherry store has your crazy cat person covered this holiday season, even if it's you. Yeah, they're crazy, but they're a lot of fun. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. Wow, wow. Way to go, Sherry. Named again this year as one of the most influential women in radio. Here's Bob and Sherry. So we turn to the New York Post for this. It's a holiday season, right? It's it's just about in full steam ahead mode. And we'll be going to parties. Some of the parties at work or friends' houses and all. These are the worst things that you can do at a party. So don't do these things. Number one, showing up sick. Hey. Thanks for inviting me to your house. <coughs> oh, <coughs> that's your sister. I haven't seen her in a couple of years. Come here, hon. <coughs> Let me give you a hug. Listen, come on over, sick. You came to work sick. Yeah. Yeah. Game over. Yeah. You were at the grocery store licking the grapes. I mean, yeah. why not come over sick, right? Uh, number two, ask for food or a type of drink that isn't already out. I mean, who would who do does that? that? Who would do that? Who does that? You know? I'd really like, do you have sex on the beach? Could you put one of those together for me? No. I feel like that's something that would happen to you. I feel like that is exactly. That somebody would ask for something that I'm I'm not offering. Bob invites everyone over for his um, semi-annual Christmas party where he serves lobster. It's his favorite thing. Someone gets there. Hey, Bob, I know you like this. It's a sea cockroach. Got any ham? That would happen to you. Yeah, it hasn't so far. People will let me know that there are people who, you know, I fly these lobsters in from Maine and it's a big deal. And it's the one big party we do once a year. And there are people who will say, I'd love to come, but I have to tell you, I can't stand lobsters. Now, I don't understand these people and I don't know why I'm friends with them, but there are people who just hate it. And we usually have something else. But you don't uninvite them on the spot. No, I give them uh, raw liver and and fat. (laughs) Cubes of fat. Yeah, cubes of fat. Uh, be the last person to leave. Don't be the last person to leave. With me, that's never a problem. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't, you You're can the first me. person to leave your own house when you I throw am. a party. I told you once. I went upstairs. Oh, the I... party went on. It was with the ex. 
Honestly, that party went on for seven hours. I had to take a break. Bob went up and took a nap. I took a nap. In fact, in fact, I call it now doing a Bob Lacey. If I go somewhere and leave early, I go, well, I'm doing a Bob Lacey. Are you kidding? You no. say that? That's what I say. Oh, no. That's not good. I said that to my girlfriend. I said, look, we're going to go to this thing. We're going to do this. We'll make an appearance, and that we'll do a Bob Lacey and then leave. Anytime. Um, oh, God. Anytime, that's what I'm going to be known for. Anytime Kevin and I go to your house, yeah. he's like, all right, so uh, what's what's the dress code for this? Oh, it's casual, whatever. Uh, how long are we going to be there? I'm like, it's Bob's house. You'll be home by 930. He loves it. He loves it? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, don't get drunk, obviously. Obviously. Just, just don't get drunk. Don't show up early. I want to point this one out. You know, my house is, uh, we're casual. So it's a mess a lot of the times, right? People are coming in and out and blah, blah, blah. For a party, you get your house really in great shape. And there's that certain time between where you've got it ready to go. Everything's been cleaned. All of the glasses are out. All the booze is out if you're serving that. Everything's there. You got the music on. It, there, there's like 45 minutes or an hour where you can just say, my house looks nice. And you're enjoying the drink and everything. I don't want somebody showing up and blowing that moment. It's like once or twice a year I get to feel that, right? But who has anyone ever done that to you? Yes, I've had oh. that happen. I have right. had that happen. Uh, be on your phone all night, obviously. Don't talk about politics this year, especially. Don't show up without RSVPing. Uh, don't, well, don't spill something. And if it's potluck, bring some food. So those are pretty, yeah. I think the thing about uh, don't show up until the time that you should and don't show up sick are the ones that are the big takeaways. You know how everyone knows do not talk about politics at family get-togethers? Yes. We had a family get-together a couple weeks ago around a wedding. Yeah. And one of my relatives said to me, let me guess, uh, you're one of these I'm not going to talk about politics people. I'm like, boom, you guessed right. Here's oh, a prize. she was fishing? Hey. Hey. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. See you some other time. You've been listening to the best of Bob and Sherry. Be sure to check out our website, bobandsherry.com. Download our free app, too. Get the odd cast, the podcast, and Bob and Sherry fun size instantly. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review, and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening.